When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le fin troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Aaron Arrow, the Sick Podcast, on this Tuesday, October 24th. Without further ado, I bring in Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.ca. He's also, of course, the co-host, along with Shane Gomo for the Recruits Draftcast Podcast, of course, under the Sick Media Network. Grant, what's going on? Oh, a bit of a tough one there, Tony. Uh, they, uh, I think they got... They got outworked tonight and uh, outsmarted and outcoached and all added up to uh, second loss of the year. Wow. I can't wait for you to talk about the whole outcoach thing because, you know, some people will tell you the New Jersey Devils showed us last year that they are on the verge of becoming a very, very good team. Last year, we saw them have a very good regular season. We also saw them surprise a little bit in the playoffs early on in round one. I didn't think they were going to beat the Rangers, to tell you the truth. But anyway, long story short, uh, they're on their way, the New Jersey Devils, and they're led, Grant, by a franchise centerman who showed his talent tonight. Jack Hughes has shown the entire hockey world how good he is, and tonight he showed the Montreal Canadiens, fans of the Montreal Canadiens, and everyone that was in the arena with a four-point night, four assists for Jack Hughes, three goals for Tyler Toffoli, and the Canadians get their two goals by two defensemen. Plenty to talk about, but it was the Jack Hughes show, Grant. Oh, for sure. And uh, when I say outcoached, I mean, Lindy Ruff's, you know, I think the the most experienced uh, coach in the league. So that's, or, or certainly up there with bonus anyways. And, uh, um, but what, what I couldn't understand was that they, they kept putting, they had the last change tonight. Yes. And they kept putting, uh, New hook, Harvey Pernard and Slavkovsky out against the Hughes line. I saw that. Um, 
251 NHL games experience between the three of them. Two guys that have never played uh, on on the PK uh, in uh, Slavkovsky and Newhook. And uh, they've got Monaghan, one of the best defensive centermen in the league, not going up against him or Suzuki or Evans. Um, Newhook's a 40% face-off guy too, so they didn't get have possession of the, you know, they weren't likely going to have possession of the puck off the face-offs against that line. Uh, first first game of the season, Slavkovsky's line was out against Matthews most of the night too. And, I mean, I, you know, I keep hearing how he's been kept off the first line with Suzuki and Caulfield because you want to protect them. Well, you're not protecting them if <laughs> if you're putting them out against uh, you know arguably two of the best centers in in the entire league. And uh, that to me was puzzling that you have last change. Uh, don't have a don't have an inexperienced line that you know needs to get confidence and. And needs uh, some puck possession to uh, to gain that confidence. Uh, I mean, you're not developing them. You're not helping the team win. Like I just uh, that that to me was a sign that uh, they got out coached by Lindy Ruff, the old veteran. There and said, "Well, if you sure, you know, if you want me to, if you want to throw that inexperienced line out to every shift uh, against Jack Hughes' line, sure. Well, I'm I'm all for it. And I think, yeah." You saw you saw the results. Uh, that goal that they scored against um, Newhook's line at the end of the period there was uh, was a backbreaker. Yeah, the one uh, you're talking about the Foley second goal, Kovacevic, when he coughed it up there and coughed uh, it up. Yeah, and then uh, they didn't have the guy covered in front of the net, and yeah, that was a big one. But you know, I mean. Uh, especially when it's that blatant uh, a mismatch just based on experience versus uh, a, a young superstar you just i think you have to line match to a certain degree when you're at home uh, even if that's not what you usually do yeah i don't think marty's the biggest line matcher out there but yeah. i think uh, tonight was an example of where it backfired on him it was a big goal. I mean, with 138 left in period number two, the game was tied at one at that point. Uh, Tyler Toffoli uh, scores, uh, so is first of the game. They go into period number three. He sure makes it 3-1, 34 seconds into period number three on the power play. Toffoli scores his second of the game on the power play as well. Uh, Mike Matheson scores a highlight real goal. We'll get to it in Tyler Toffoli, of course in an empty net with 26 seconds left to go in regulations. If we can, and yellow, Sammy, Juliana, and Master Control, bring up the lines for the Montreal Canadiens in tonight's hockey game. And there you have it. Suzuki with Caulfield on his left and Anderson on his right. Newhook with Slavkowski on his right and Harvey Pinard on his left. Monaghan, Gallagher on his right, Pearson on his left. Evans with Yelonen on his right and Pazette on his left. Matheson, Barron, Harris, Kovacevic, Jackye, and Lindstrom, of course, who's in the lineup because David Savard is out after blocking that shot last night. He blocked a couple of shots, and Martin Leclerc of Radio-Canada, uh, I saw a tweet from him earlier this evening saying that he has it on good information that it's a hand injury for David Savard, and that would make sense because the first shot that was taken 
You can definitely see on the replay that it does hit his hand, and you do see Savard grimace and pain. And uh, Martin Leclerc says that we're looking at uh, at least six weeks for David Savard. So it's a long-term injury, anywhere between six to eight weeks for Savard. Um, there's some changes in tonight's game that we got to see here. Number one, we got to see Lindstrom in tonight's game. Number two, we have now Anderson on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And number three, we got to see Caden Primo's first start of the regular season. It's a loss, but what did you think? I, I certainly wouldn't pin it on, on Primo. Uh, neither, the, neither would I. He had that circus save that, uh, you know, could have inspired the team if they had, uh, uh, but it didn't seem like that New Jersey had more jump and they were also, uh, and I think it was pointed out by uh, Dave Poulin, who I think is just a, a great analyst, by the way. I don't know if you caught, if you were listening to that feed or not, Tony, but, uh, you know, he mentioned the fact that um, New Jersey's defense was really aggressive with the pinches and, um, turn, you know, the Habs defense turned over the puck quite often uh, at the blue line or in the uh, neutral zone. Um I think maybe the the forwards had to come back a little bit further in support to adjust to it, and it didn't really uh, it didn't really happen. And and New Jersey just kept on uh, pressuring them with with forechecking and with aggressive play by their defensemen. Um, they're outplayed tonight. Primo, I thought, kept them in, and uh, once again, I, I believe that Montreal's had more. Penalties, uh, more power plays against than any team in the league. And uh, they, they certainly didn't help that stat tonight. They they continue to take too many penalties. And uh, it, it's, it eventually comes back to haunt them, especially against, it, you know, a team that has Jack Hughes out there uh, uh, on the man advantage is going to make you pay if you keep giving them chances. Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens put it out there at 9.22 p.m., that defenseman David Savard will be out for a period of six to eight weeks due to a fracture to the left hand, the fracture to the left hand for him. Okay, so why do you think Marty St. Louis decides to put Josh Anderson on that line tonight? I mean, one can explain it that three games in, uh, Raphael RV Pinard didn't have a point on that line. I get that, but there's got to be another reason. Why do you think you put Anderson on that line? Well, I think they're, you know, they've been searching for uh, for the right uh, guy on that line since training camp started. There've been a lot of <laughs> a lot of guys' addition, but uh, the one guy that they have not tried, and you know, sure, I, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously a Slavkovsky fan, but I don't see why they don't give him a shot on that line. Certainly, I mean, they wouldn't have been up against uh, Hughes' line because they had him, uh, you know, they, they had him uh, playing against uh, Newhook. Um, so it wouldn't have been like uh, they were trying to protect him by keeping him off the top line because they weren't facing New Jersey's top line anyway. I'd like, as far as I'm concerned, the last two games especially, Slavkowski's mm-hmm. been the most dangerous forward on the Canadians. And... Uh, set up a lot of good plays, but I think if he'd have been setting them up to Suzuki and Caulfield, they might actually scored a couple of more even strength goals. So I, I, I have, I think I have an answer to the question you asked in terms of 
why would Newhook's line with Slavkovsky and Raphael Arvi Pinard go up against the Jack Hughes line? Okay. And um, the only answer that I can think of is speed on the line. Right. Right. Because, I mean, if you put Monaghan, Gallagher, or Pearson, for example, you obviously don't have the same speed that you would have with Newhook, Slavkovsky, and Raphael Arvi Pinard. Now, well, you can make I, the I argument that why don't you just put Suzuki up against Jack Hughes, best player against best well, player. I get that. Um, I don't think Harvey Pinard's a faster skater than Monaghan, uh, for instance. Like, Harvey Pinard's not a burner. I know, I guess maybe, I mean, there, you know, there's been question marks about Slavkovsky's speed. Uh, you, you don't think that, you think that he's a good skater now at the NHL level, Tony? Well, I got to tell you this. I always thought that he struggled as a skater, but NHL uh, stat, edge stats came out yesterday, and I was yeah. like, where in the world did this come from? There's stats showing that Slavkovsky is actually faster than Newhook. And I'm like, well, yeah. what in the world's oh. going on? And so I guess, I guess what it means is mm-hmm. that his stride's a little bit different, but I guess Slavkovsky really is eating up and carving up the ice when he skates. I've I've maintained it, as you know, from the, his draft year, that there's no, uh, you know, I, I one of our first podcasts when uh, he was picked, was you had said that uh, you'd heard that he had, issues with the skating and I don't see it at all. I mean, he's a big guy, right? So you don't always notice. Uh, I think those stats came out. I was, uh, I heard, I heard something on the radio today where Pearson actually isn't that slow either. Like it looks like he is, but his speed is actually average to, you know, decent in compared to other uh, NHLers, which is a bit of a surprise, but um you know, the eye test doesn't always tell you what uh, <laughs> what what the facts are right, when it comes to that, right? But no, it um, doesn't. I'm I'm just still rattled that you're still listening to radio. But other than that, everything's good. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, uh, what, it, t- Tony, when I'm in when I'm in the car, sometimes it's on. You know, I mean, uh, but yeah, yeah. I no, you're I right. Like you're... Po- I don't like to watch a podcast while I'm driving. You know, no, no, I hear that, but you can listen to it on Spotify yeah, I, I and Apple. You can. I mean, but you know what? At least you still have a car that catches AM radio, well, which is good. All right, okay. Uh, let's. Uh, let's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm old school. I still got like a CD player. You know, I think wow. I just took my eight track out there last year. So who's better than you? Um, <laughs> it was a tough night at the office for Nick Suzuki than I know. Yeah, he hasn't. Uh, you know, aside from that one game, he had a great game on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think he's been below average, and Caulfield too. Caulfield hasn't really had the jump. It's you see flashes of it, and again, you know, like he scored the two goals the other night, so you're not gonna, you know, tread all over him. But he, uh, he, he, I think he hasn't quite got his legs back yet. You know, he missed. Lest we forget there, he missed uh, a good portion of, of the end of last year. So take a little while to get back into, you know, optimum game shape. And um, those two guys, I don't know. Um, they, they have to actually, they obviously have to be going for the Canadians to contend and to, to win more games than they lose. Yeah. And uh, really there's only been one game where they, uh, you know, the last game, obviously. And uh, so they, they've got to play better than, better than they have. They can't play well in just one out of every five games. It's got to be three to four out of every five. 
You know, I, I'm wondering if, the, you know, the easy thing to say in some organizations, well, Nick Suzuki is not a first-line centerman and uh, all that stuff, right? And some people believe that, and that's fine. I still think the jury is out, but I think it's really encouraging in terms of his progression curve, okay? It leads me to believe that he will be, but Craig Button was on the program last night, and, uh, you know, he talked about smaller center, but Suzuki's not, you know, we'll put Suzuki in that 5'11 category, and you know what? Jack Hughes and Sidney Crosby are 5'11". So, so I, I guess he'll be okay in that respect. But I, I, if this keeps up, I wonder if, you know, he's the captain of the Montreal Canadiens and we see him absolutely everywhere. And he does a lot and he was here, there and everywhere in the offseason. And he's really representing the Montreal Canadiens really well. And I'm wondering if at one point it's maybe not a little bit too much on his plate. Only he can answer that. It's only something that I can bring up as a yeah. hypothesis. Only he can answer that. Well, that's true. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure that he's ever going to be top 10 uh, NHL centerman based on year in, year out offense production. But he certainly brings uh, a lot more to the table than just uh, – just his offense, you know, but like a Bergeron, like I'm not saying he is, he, he's a Bergeron, but, you know, Patrice Bergeron wasn't scoring 80 points every year, right? But he brought so much other things to the table that, uh, yeah. you know, Suzuki can be a good first-line center. He's just not going to be uh, a 100-point guy every year, you know. It's just I don't think that, they, uh, that, that there's enough physical – offensive skill for him to dominate like a, a Jack Hughes does with his skill. Um, you're going to see flashes of it and he's so smart and uh, competitive that he will, I think be a 70 to 85 point guy in his prime here coming up. But um, uh, as far as him being one of the, the most productive centers in the NHL, I think at the end of the day, Doc probably has a little more offensive upside that that can be reached there if he comes back and bounces back. It wouldn't surprise me if someday Caulfield, Doc, and perhaps Slavkowski or Wa yeah. is, is the top line. It's, a, it's an interesting opinion, Grant, not because a lot of people didn't think it at the time, because obviously Kirby Doc was drafted third overall. Nick Suzuki, if memory serves me well, I think he was drafted 13th by the 13th. Vegas Golden Knights. So most people expected Doc to be a better NHLer than Suzuki, but Suzuki always produced more than Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doc is uh, one of those kids that, you know, the, the, the six three six four center typically uh, can take a little longer to yeah. develop. Uh, I mean, when you say he produced more, don't forget he played junior hockey at 19 and 20. You're right. And Doc didn't. Yeah, Doc you're right. made the NHL right out of it. So That is correct. Uh, you know, but yes, in his draft year, he had more points than Doc did. Uh, but the understanding... And the reason why Doc went top three was there was a lot of he had a lot more improving to do and a lot more uh, upside to to be realized, which is often the case with a six four centerman, you know. And um, 
it, it took him uh, a few years, but I think we were seeing be, um, before that unfortunate injury that mm-hmm. uh, Doc was. Uh, I think he was poised for a. Uh, he may he may have outproduced Suzuki this year. That's the way he was looking. Like it it may have been close. Um, so ultimately, he may have more offensive upside than Suzuki, and that that's fine. You can have a 1A, 1B. I had a great conversation with Mike Oak from uh, uh, the Peterborough Peets. Yeah. You know, talking about uh, Owen yeah. Beck and, and his yeah. offensive upside. And he he pointed out that, you know, junior teams and NHL teams don't necessarily look like look at it like we do, like the media does, and we're always talking about what's the first line, what's the second line, what's the third line. Mm-hmm. They, they don't necessarily – it's more about matchups – it's more about uh, you know um, sometimes balance on the lines. Yeah. Uh, ideally, you want three lines that you can put out there against any of the uh, other teams' top three lines. Uh, Montreal's not at, at that point yet mm-hmm. because today, like you know, like I pointed out, we had three guys with 250 games NHL experience going up against one of the best lines in the league, and it ended up being a mismatch. Uh, even though I thought you know there, there were times when the new hook line had some chances and offensive yeah. opportunities, but uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's a mismatch. And um, uh, I, I think that the Canadians uh, want to have a top six that can be interchangeable, that they can play, they can match them up in certain situations um, and down the road. I don't know that NHL teams spend a lot of time saying, well, that's our first line. That's our second line. Mm-hmm. That's our third line. So let's talk about Michael Matheson's goal. I don't even know how we waited this long into the show to actually talk <laughs> about it. He picks up the puck behind his own net, and he basically cruises through the neutral zone, and he's waiting, and all of a sudden he sees an opening, and he says, I'm going to go for it. And he attacks the D, and he enters the offensive zone with speed. And he's able to get by the defenseman and push the puck forward and then tuck it in and then shoot and then score. What an amazing goal. I don't think I've seen a Montreal Canadiens defenseman skate this good since. Who do you think I'm going to say? Oh, I I could be wrong here, by the way. I don't know. uh, A defenseman who played for the Canadiens on that Stanley Cup 86 team. Oh, okay. You're going to go back that far? Yeah. The 86 team. I think he's the best skating defenseman the Montreal Canadiens have had since a defenseman who played on the 86 team. Is that right, eh? Yeah. What, do you think Desjardins was? uh... No, Desjardins played in 93, not on the 86 team. Oh, 86. Yeah. Um, The 86 team was Robinson, Chelios, Chelios, Ludwig, Green, Lawler, Svoboda, and? Gaston Gingra. Correct. <laughs> I think Michael Matheson's the best skating defenseman the Montreal Canadiens have had since Gaston Gingra. Wow. Because Ga- Gaston was smooth on his skates. Oh, no, he was. He was. And, 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 I mean, he, and he hit that glass at 100 miles an hour there with those slap shots. If he didn't well, hit the net. Yeah. He hit the net every now you're, and then. You're right about that. When he used to tee up from the blue line on the power play, the people in the blues used to duck, let me tell you. <laughs> But uh, and, and listen, yeah. you can make a case. I think that Matheson skates even better uh, well, than Jingra. But 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 yeah. Jingra was amazing. 
Absolutely amazing. And yeah. Stefan in Quebec Cité brings up Brian Fogarty. Ah. Right? Brian Fogarty. He's in Quebec Cité, of course. So uh, well, he Brian was Fogarty, once, but once upon a time, was considered a phenom, right? But unfortunately, uh, he battled some issues over the course he, of his career. and uh, He had some yeah. demons, you know. Yeah. Uh, I got to know, actually, his uh, stepbrother. Um in later years and uh, yeah there was there was you know bad some bad background there and and he definitely battled yeah. demons all his life uh, but i mean set records in the oha ohl and scoring and stuff but getting back to matheson yeah um you know why you know why that worked and why it opened up for him it, why why the seas parted because he didn't Drop it that friggin' pass back like they do every I single time. That's a good one, yeah. And he was well, he faked it sort of. Eh? He looked back like he was gonna do it, and the and New Jersey was doing it all game. They just go to Suzuki, and yeah. then Frank they almost scored two or three breakaways on that yeah. stupid back pass that's so predictable. You know, like do you know any sport where they well we're gonna do this and they they just like it. How do teams do they not think that teams watch the video and see that they do this every single time and they do they're it all gonna the time. adjust so that they don't even check the guy with the puck and just go to Suzuki? New Jersey did it all night. Again, another instance where they were outcoached tonight. And that's gotta stop. They gotta stop where it's completely predictable that it's going back to Suzuki to do the so that he can throw it in instead of the guy that just had the puck. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. Like, and and Matheson's, Matheson's goal, like you just talked about, was on the power play. So right. they end up going one for four tonight. But I'm, I'm wow. telling you, and I've been saying this now for a couple of weeks, Alex Burroughs is under a tremendous amount of pressure. The assistant coaches' contracts are up at the end of the year. And I know that uh, mm. Marty St. Louis was interviewed by Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, who, by the way, is going to be my guest tomorrow night on the Sick Podcast because Eric usually does Mondays and Craig Button usually does Wednesdays and you know they swap this week. So uh, Craig did yesterday and Eric will do tomorrow. But you know, Marty told Eric that he'd like to see his assistant coaches rewarded. Then again, some are going to say, "What do you want him to say?" Right? He's not going to say he doesn't want to see them rewarded. But I, I may, I, I've said and I maintain. Alex Burroughs is under a tremendous amount of pressure this year, and I think he's feeling the heat because as the Canadians will start to get better and turn the corner here, they're going to have to – there's a decision to make. Do you up your staff and insulate Marty with more experienced assistant coaches, or do you take those young coaches who have less experience – and grow over the years the way they're trying to do with some of their 1920s, 21s, 22s, 23s, and 24s. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Alex is a good is a good coach. Character, you know, character guy and all that. And I don't think that he's a bad guy to have on your staff as a coach. I just, I'm not sure that... Uh, you get defensemen to co coach the defense as a rule, right? Correct. Like, uh, it's not often that the guy that is running the, the show for the defenseman is, isn't a former defenseman. Why? And I don't know. I can't really recall the last time they had it, but 
why can't they have a coach up for the power play who scored power play goals, who was good on the power play? Alex Burroughs was not a – I looked up his stats. He got a power play point once every 21 games in the NHL. Did he kill penalties? Uh, yeah, I think he, he killed a bit his penalties at, at so, times. So you've, you've seen former NHLers who were elite penalty killers, Doug Jarvis of this world, Manny Malhotra of this world, have gone on to coach some pretty good power plays. Guy Carboneau was a head coach, but he was also an assistant coach. Guy yeah. Carboneau was a player that would play on the penalty kill who would coach power plays because oh, as I much mean, as your theory works, guys that kill penalties – will also know what needs to be done to counter to actually work a good power play. Yeah. So that's well, my answer to are, that. There I'm are <laughs> there are exceptions to every, you know, to every theory that I have obviously Tony, but I just it, it and I mean it it's it's happened in the past too where you've got guys uh running the power play who weren't very good on the power play and I just I don't think it would be a bad idea to have a guy that knew what he was doing and had has a few tricks and a few, you know, pointers, a few things that he could add to, uh, to help these guys to score goals. I just, I'm not sure that a guy that wasn't good on the power play is the optimum solution to have running your power play. Um, uh, yeah, there have been guys that, that, uh, that have been able to do it in the past, but, uh, there's certainly been a lot of guys that, that weren't able to do it in the past that that, that were defensive players. So um, I, I explore the the possibility of having uh, Marty maybe have a little more say in 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 uh, in the power play. He he got a you know he got a power play goal I think or a point every three games or four games. At the yeah. NHL level, he was lethal on the power play. You know, they haven't, the media haven't asked Marty about the power play and the if the responsibilities have shifted and if he's starting to have more say in the power play. And I right. don't know if he does, if he would be ad- admitting it, because he'd probably be undermining Alex Burroughs unless it was presented right. in, in a fashion where they've all decided to do everything as a committee right now, be it power play or penalty kill. But I, you know, everyone's assuming different things are happening on the power play. No, I'd love but, to know for certain from Marty. Marty, are you playing a bigger role in the power play in terms of input? Yes or no? Yeah, and I think about a week ago or so, I I, I recall seeing a, a, I think it was a, a tweet by Stu Cowan saying that uh, Marty was, you know, out there working with them on the power play a little more. Right. And, and I think maybe he has a little more, little more say in it perhaps than he did, but I've never quite understood the, you know, yeah. Head coach has a lot of responsibilities, but why can't he, you know, why can't one of their, the, their responsibilities be if they were good at a certain thing, why can't they run a power play uh, in addition to being the head coach? Like, it's not like it's that, I mean, there was a time when <laughs> Scotty Bowman ran the power play. He ran the, you know, he ran, he ran the penalty kill. He ran everything, and he, he seemed to do okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arbor, you know. Bolo says, uh, from since I'm following the Canadian, Subban has been the best hab skating defenseman by far. 
Subban was a real good skating defenseman. Andre Markov was a real good skating defenseman before, obviously, he had those ACL injuries. But uh, I, I don't think Subban skating matched uh, Matheson. Matheson is uh, he's Disney on ice. It's unbelievable the way he, he – Matheson doesn't skate. He glides. Yeah. Matheson doesn't skate. He glides. No, he's a beautiful skater, and that was a, a gorgeous goal. And yeah. um, the defense is starting to uh, to pick up some points, you know, which yeah. is encouraging. And uh, um, th- that first line's got to get going. Like it, it's unfortunate, but yeah, that that the Canadians have to rely so much on it. But I think you know, well, they have the to rely the day, so much on it teams... because Doc's hurt now, right? It's it's right. there's a lot of pressure on those guys now. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. No. And they've got to find the right uh, line mate because I don't think that hasn't happened yet. Your boy's going to get a shot. I feel it. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, they've yeah. given, they've given what two different players a shot up until now. He's going to end up getting yeah. a shot because, well, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, he's playing well. He He's uh, winning puck. It's hard to get the puck from him when he goes along the boards with it. <laughs> he yeah. Just, there's, uh, a, there's another thing that can happen, Grant. And yeah. that is before he gets his shot, Christian Dvorak comes back, right? Slides into Newhook spot, and Newhook ends up playing on that line. That could happen because he's got yeah. the speed and the intelligence and the hockey IQ to play with those guys. Yeah, or he could slide over uh, Monahan, Doc, and or Monahan, Slavkowski, and Newhook would be a good second line, and then you've got uh, D- uh, Dvorak in between uh, Pearson and Gallagher. But then you, you then you still need uh, you still keep you end up keeping uh all right RHP on the uh, top line you or know, maybe even give Yolonen a look there he's I, I have been impressed with Yolonen this year he's got a um, rocket by the way he's got a laser that? he's got a yeah. laser and yeah. a good skater in his defense has just been he's light years ahead of where he was last year uh, he's get like last year he had issues major issues getting the puck out of his own zone. And this year, it's just uh, whatever training he did in the summer, like that extra 10 pounds, I think it was good 10 pounds because he's a lot stronger, a lot more determined, and getting pucks out of his own zone. Um, he's got good speed. He's good defensively. Marty's got him and Evans as his top penalty killers. Yeah. So he can, you know, he can uh, cover for, for Suzuki and, and Caulfield if they're up on the play. I That would be the guy that I would – if they're not going to give it to Slavkowski and it looks like they don't want to do it just yet, uh, I would give Yelonen a, a shot on the top line. All right, okay. They scored three goals on Saturday night. Um, you know, Monaghan's got one. Caulfield's got one in overtime. They scored three goals last night. Gallagher's got one. Pearson's got one. Of course, Justin Barron scored last night. They scored two goals tonight. Two defensemen, Justin Barron, Mike Matheson. Once again, needless to say that since Kirby Doc went down, um, the attack and the forwards are less dynamic and have been an illustration less. Everyone looks at this roster and says, all right, okay, you got two talented guys on that first line and you're trying to get Slavkowski there. I get it. They haven't put him there yet. And they put Anderson and they put Harvey Pinard. Yeah. Are you for or against? Joshua Roy, who's lighting it up in the American Hockey League, coming off like a monster game a couple of days ago, bringing him up, or are you of that whole thinking, like just keep him there and keep him on a roll? 
Yeah, let them cook, as I keep seeing uh, people uh, tweeting replies. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, don't rush them, but if the uh, goal-scoring dearth continues and they want to, uh, they want to, you know, stay in the playoff race, and he keeps producing. I don't see why. I mean, I have, you know, I have a hard time convincing me that he couldn't help the Canadians' power play pretty soon, Tony, because that's been his bread and butter his whole. In junior, he was lethal on the power play. Yeah. In Laval, he's lethal on the power play. What are the Canadians lacking? Uh, you know, they're, they're lacking a bit more creativity. Like Josh Anderson does a lot of good things for you, but standing stationary on the power play, I'm glad they took him off the first unit tonight because yeah, just not a first power play guy because he's not a playmaker. The most... He's never hit 20 assists, I don't believe, in his career. In it, um, I think he's got two power play assists in his lifetime or three, something ridiculously low like that. So I, he's not the answer as far as uh, keeping the puck moving and, and creating chances on the first power play unit. Um, if they're not going to try Slavkovsky up there, yeah, at some point, if, if Waugh keeps lighting it up, I don't see what you wait for. You give him a look at least. I mean, the worst that can happen is that he he's not ready and you send him back down. He doesn't well, have to clear waivers. So. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm all for the uh, – both schools of thought work for me. Um, you, know, the, you know, some people will say that, uh, you know, you won't be burned if you stay down too long, but it'll be, you'll be burned if you get called up. But Maxim LaPierre – uh, threw out a couple of, you know, a couple of player, a couple of teams the other day on, on Twitter of a bunch of players who never had to go to the American hockey league, <laughs> never had to go to the American hockey league. Right. And it didn't stunt their development and they belong in the national hockey. League. They didn't get burned by it. And I get it. Everyone is different at the end of the day. There's no, you know, there's no solid rule here. Everyone is different. That's what it comes down to. But Right. If he got called up for a game, it wouldn't burn him, right? One game. Let's just say. No, no, exactly. Or a week or whatever, you know. Like, if you call him up, it's not like it's not etched in stone that he's never going back down again. You call him up to have a look. Like, so you said, well, are you going to lose somebody? Well, you might lose Joel Ar- Armina, Ar- Armia. Oh, well. I think they want to lose him anyways, you know. They mm-hmm. love They'd love for a team to pick him up on waivers. So you just, uh, you know, you can send Armia back down and bring up Roy. If he if he has another productive week, if he keeps scoring two points a game at the AHL level, how can you not call the kid up? After a while, it becomes discouraging for him if you don't. Like you say, what do I have to do here? I'm lighting it up down, you know, um, I'm the top scorer in the AHL. Shouldn't the top scorer in the AHL be able to at least put up the odd point in the NHL? Yeah. If, if the power play keeps sputtering like it is, I don't, and he keeps producing, they'll they'll call him up, and um, and he who knows he might be up for good. That's the you know we all look at the worst case scenario on this Tony, but what it, mm-hmm. what about the best case scenario? What if it works? And and it and it could work because you know well, once again they are starving for talent and and 
he's answered a lot of critics already by playing as well as he's played in the American Hockey League, right? This yeah. kid was doubted in the queue. Okay, you know what? You're putting up points, but uh, you can't play defensive hockey. He goes to the World Juniors. All of a yeah. sudden, he's on the penalty kill. All of a sudden, he's playing with Connor Bedard. All of a sudden, you know what? He's being, you know, he's showing that he's able to think the game with some of the elite in the game at that level. And then let me see you put up points again in the queue. He puts up points. Let me see you do it in the American Hockey League. He's doing it in the American Hockey League. I think it's safe to say that he's he's the real deal. I mean, I'd bet on him. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodnight in a couple of minutes and start taking just a couple of calls because tonight we're gonna end it at around eleven o'clock. I got a, a real busy day tomorrow, a real long day. And at one point, you know, I'll talk to everybody about it, but I I can't just yet. This is uh, this is what I want to talk to you before I, uh, before you break away. Two defensemen. What do you think of Lindstrom in for Savard and Justin Barron? Two goals in his last two games. Lindstrom first. I thought uh, first first period it took him a little while to adjust um, to the speed. You know, first game going from the AHL to uh, your first game in the league uh, this year, but. Uh, I thought he got more and more comfortable as he went along. Uh, honestly, I don't know if he was on for any goals against. I didn't pay close enough attention to it, it to uh, to be able to tell you that or not. But um, there were a couple of shifts in the second period in particular where uh, him and Jacki were uh, made some nice plays. Like he could have had a with a little bit of luck, he had an assist or two in the game. He set up Monaghan pretty nicely uh, at the side of the net there. Uh, made some nice offensive plays. So all in all, I, I thought he uh, he didn't look out of place. I liked him in the preseason too. I was surprised that he got sent down because I thought Barron struggled in the preseason. Yeah. Um, a shout out to uh, Robidaw again, Stefan Robidaw. I think he's doing a, an excellent job with the defense. They've got so many young defensemen. They keep getting injured, just like last year, and they plug yeah. guys in, and they, and they they look fine. Barron, since from what we saw in in preseason and what we saw tonight, for instance, mm-hmm. he's a lot. He's improved his game. So all the work that he's been doing, all the practicing, all the tutoring is paying off. Because I think he looked a lot. I don't know what you think, Tony, but I thought he yeah. looked a lot more com- beyond just the goal, right? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, sure, you can say, oh, he was great because he scored a goal. but Two goals in two games, both on rebounds, but right. both from different areas of the ice. Yeah. Last night from the right side, tonight from the left side. But w- the most important thing, obviously, for defensemen is how he defends, right? Because yeah. he's not going to be scoring a goal every night. You know, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. So um, I, I've, been, I've been encouraged by him. And, and also Harris playing on his off, offside. Now I, I'm impressed that they identified that Harris was the guy that could slide over to the other side. Harris, I, I mean, very I, smart. I, I, very smart, I, Harris. I saw him do it in college and do it very well. Yeah, and I knew he could do it at this level, but I wasn't sure that they would choose him to be the one. And I'm glad they did because he's such a smart and uh, he's a really nice skater too, Tony. He's not he's not in Matheson's league. Few are. But uh, Harris is a smooth, smooth operator out there. Very, and he's been playing really well, I think. So, um, kudos g- goes out to uh, Stefan Robidoff for the 
for the work that he's been doing with that defense yeah. core and keeping you, it patched together. Usually when athletes are very smart, they're very, very smart in the sport that they play as well. Uh, Harris is a very, very smart player. Yeah. Grant, this has been a lot of fun. We're 44 minutes into the sick podcast. Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of five to two. Tyler Toffoli with a hat trick. Jack Hughes with four assists. The Canadians back at it on Thursday night when they host the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the big question now is going to be Samuel Montambo or Jake Allen. Want to give me a prediction before we say goodnight? Oh, that's a that's a good one. I think maybe Allen goes back in. You think maybe Allen goes back in? Wow. Well, I mean, he's the hot, you know, he's the one riding the hot hand right now. I, I, I hope for Montembeau who's in a contract year that Jake Allen, if he does go back in on Thursday night, doesn't win that game versus Columbus. Because guess what? If he does, then you're going to have to be tempted to go back with Jake Allen again on Saturday night when they host the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I think you got to go with the guy that's uh, that's playing playing well. He'll get the night off, you know, a couple nights off. And I think you go back with Allen. And uh, keep working on Monty, and then the next time he's in, hopefully he's he's ready to go too. Uh, I guess maybe Tony, I'm going to see you on Saturday. Yeah, we will see each other on Saturday. We've been invited to the hockey game by our friend Paul. We very much appreciate it. We might even get together for a bite to eat before. And I, I'm hearing we're going to have some pretty good seats. So I'll see you on Saturday. He is Grant McCag of Recruits and Recruits.ca, former Montreal Canadian scout during the Bob Ganey administration. He runs his own online independent scouting service, which gives you access to tons of material. And for less than $50 a year, I believe it's $349 per month. He's got different packages starting at about a buck ninety-nine per month. But for up to $349 per month, you have access to absolutely everything. Uh, scouting reports, drafts, mock drafts, uh, articles on your favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens, and a lot more on prospects. And that really is not very much considering the quality of what you're getting. And he's also co-host, of course, of the uh, Recruits Draftcast on the Sick Media Network. Grant, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. You're very welcome, my man. You're very welcome. Agnello and Sammy at Master Control. Let's open up the phone lines at one 585 sick Give me the animation, my friends. Bring it up right now. You called. Presented by Playground. Playground, one of our proud partners and sponsors. You know, Halloween is coming up, and Playground has plenty of treats for its members. Earn entries daily starting uh, daily starting on Monday, October 23rd, then return Sunday, October 29th for your chance to win a share of 22000 in cash and free play. Draws will be held every 30 minutes from 1230 to 9 p.m., that is scary good. Visit playground.ca for details. Uh, of course, uh, why don't we do this? And Yellow and Sammy and Master Control, uh, let's give people a chance to call us at one 585 7425 But if you're going to put up the sign that Tony will be back in 30 seconds, it'll give me an opportunity uh, to go to the men's room because I finished five of these in the last two hours. Okay, it's the sickest podcast. Tune in.
even for the audio or you can even watch back Giving players all the props or put them on blast We don't give no hot takes, only talk back We're giving all our devotion Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time No, ain't no stopping us till we reach the finish line All in, we came in Sammy got it off the ground And to all the listeners tuned in right now Got debates, analysis, and speculation This is sports talk for the new generation You know where to find us, got a reputation Sick podcast, your number one sports destination Giving all our devotion Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time No, ain't no stopping us till we reach the finish line All in, we came in I have no idea what's going on here, right? I've been back for about a minute, and they're stoning me with this song. S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, Sammy this, Sammy that. Where did we find this song? It's, 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 it's. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you, but like. What can I tell you, folks? I mean, uh, I don't know. But it, it is it is kind of catchy. Like, I have to admit, it is. You know what I mean? As much as it's tacky, it's catchy. Where are we going here? Hello, who's this? Hello, who's this? Hey, Tony, Troy from Franklin. How you doing, bud? And Mozitumo. Hey, very good. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> Good. You were talking about Gaston Gingra. I had the call when I heard that. Yeah. Um, we had the we had the pleasure down here in Franklin of seeing Gaston for two years, and he was basically a player, a playing coach, I guess. And as you said, he was just the smoothest skater and 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 best passer, and uh, just a, a hell of a good hockey player. And he, he, you know, he was that good. Uh, I think it was was it '96 when the, when the, when they closed the Montreal Forum. It was, it was yes. My wife, yeah, my wife and I were up there to to, to the to see almost. I guess it was two weeks before the closing. We get into the pregame skate, and I get to meet Dick Irvin. And I was saying, I was telling Dick how how, how Gaston was playing, and I said I don't understand it, Dick. I mean, the Habs could use Gaston Zingra on the NHL. What's he doing down there? And and Dick Irvin said, so he's he's aging gracefully, is he? And it was just a yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You had the you had uh, the Dick Irvin uh, accent pretty good, and uh, oh, here we yeah. are at the, the Montreal Forum. And Dick, I see you have uh, our two cups of hot uh, coffee ready to go. Well, that's right, Danny. It's the same coffee that's been brewed at the Forum of Montreal since 1955, <laughs> when the coach of the Montreal Canadiens was the late Dick Irvin Senior. Yeah. Uh, yes, oh. that was uh, that was Jim Ralph, by the way, who one year 
at an NHL gala, and I forget which gala it was, but he's a pretty funny guy. Uh, He came up and he did that impersonation of Dick Irvin, somewhat like that, but a lot better than me, of course. Uh, He was pretty good. Jim Ralph Ralph once said, uh, he used to be a goaltender, Jim Ralph, that he got a compliment once that he was the Michael Jackson of goaltenders, and he thought it was quite the compliment (laughs) because he thought it was, you know, he was smooth and he had all the right moves. But the comparison was actually made because they both wore gloves for no apparent reason. (laughs) Uh, Something everybody's been mentioning was has been the job that Stefan Robida has been doing. And uh, again, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of of seeing Stefan Robida and Francis Bouillon playing together down here for the Frightened Canadians. And without a doubt, that is the that was the best power play I've ever seen, bar none, AHL or, or NHL. With those two guys on our power play, uh, it was just it was just a pleasure to watch. It, it was like five forwards out there. At yeah, case, right. So, yeah, the Edmonton Orders traditionally have had some pretty good power plays over the years. But I hear you; it's the best one that you watched. All right, yeah, Troy, yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you for the uh, call. We have we have a bunch of people that want to get to us. Okay, I'm all for Joshua. Wah. I say call that kid up and let's get rolling. I know we've been traumatized in the past, but. Two 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 years of World Juniors experience playing with Bedard. This kid is ready, Tony. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. There you have it, Troy in Fredericton. Back to the phone lines we go. This, of course, is a toll-free number at 1-888-585-SICK. 1-888-585-7425. Sammy and Yellow, Juliana, Master Control. Where are we going exactly you bring up the name, and if you don't want to bring up the name, you just bring up the line, and I'll get to it. We're going hey, to Tony. Toronto. Who do I have the privilege of speaking with? Yes, it's Hamza. Hamza, what's going on? Not much. How are you? Very good. Big fan of you, by the way. I love your post-game shows. I thank you very much for being a fan. I really appreciate that. I hope I have the opportunity to meet you one day. Hopefully. Uh, I'm definitely down in Montreal quite often, so maybe soon. You um, you look me up. You just send me a note. Hey, send me an email. Tony at the sickpodcast.com, and I'd be more than happy to hook up with you, my man. What's on your mind? Yeah, so uh, after watching today's game, a little tough. Um, watching your eye kind of struggle, not getting too many shots on that, not getting the opportunity he needs to be getting um i'm kind of feeling like especially with even suzuki and and caulfield kind of quiet the last two games do you feel like we have that elite level talent which is needed for a cup contending team on the in the on the roster right now or even in the pipeline because after a two year i'm not saying i'm worried but it's been two years now since uh, we started the rebuild and i don't know i'm not really seeing that those elite type level players yet so Not yet, but at the same time, how about you think about this, okay? So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think of Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Uri Slavkowski, Kirby Dock, Alex Newhook, Joshua Roy, Philip Mishar, Lane Hudson, Logan Mayu. I want you to think of them, right? Caden Gooley. 
I want you to think of these players, and I want you to think of these players hitting their full potential, being the very best they can be. And I'm probably going out on a stretch there with Mashar, but I said it anyway because he's a former first-round pick, and we can add David Reimbacher to the list because, of course, he too is a first-round pick that was drafted fifth overall. I want you to think of these players and think of them if it's a huge if, and this is why player development, Adam Nicholas and everyone becomes so very important. If all of these players hit their full potential in five years from now, and they're all at their best, do you think they could win a cup with that? So, so here's my follow-up question to that. Yes. In five years at their best, you think they compare to guys like Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, or your McKinnon, Rantanen, Makar? Like, I, I don't, I don't see that yet. And and maybe who knows? It's it's quite possible. But Caulfield, Suzuki, possibly. But the other guys, at the end of the day. There's, there's no guarantees. We the Montreal Canadiens have been uh, known for for choking on development, and and so uh, that's kind of where my uh, my non ability, my ability not to kind of trust that process is mm-hmm. coming in from, and it's kind of getting so right. So it can go either way, and I'll tell you what I would have felt very comfortable with. Okay, what I would have felt very comfortable with is in the years that the Montreal Canadiens drafted top three, top five, that there would have been a player who's a franchise centerman available that they would have drafted, that they would have had an Austin Matthews, that they would have had a Connor McDavid, that they would have had an Nathan McKinnon, that they would have had a Sidney Crosby, that they would have had an Evgeny Malkin. I, I would be very comfortable in answering this if they could have had one of those guys. At the same time, Austin Matthews is in that category and he still hasn't won the cup. And Connor McDavid's in that category, and he still hasn't won the cup. So that doesn't necessarily uh, guarantee a cup either, but great players usually end up winning the cup. But, you know, if all these guys end up reaching their full potential at the same time in five years from now, that's a lot of depth. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a lot of depth. It maybe maybe is not as sexy as some of those two, three names that you talked about. But that's a lot of depth. Yeah, and like the Rangers did, right? They, uh, they I'm pretty sure they traded or signed um, yeah. Isaac Panarin and, and Zibanejad. So with the surplus of prospects like that or possible uh, good future players, we can definitely trade and, and, and hopefully create an environment that MS, uh, Martin St. Louis created to uh, get people to sign over here. Michael, Tony, stop complaining about the song. Mike? Uh it's my show. If I want to complain about it, I can. Now, you're also watching, and if you want to tell me to stop complaining about the song, you can also do that. But I'm not going to stop complaining about the song because you told me to stop complaining about it. And I'll tell you this, Hamza. At the end of the day, one team wins the Stanley Cup per year. Obviously, a very difficult thing to do. 32 teams in the league. One team will win. Arguably, the different, the most difficult trophy in all of pro sports to win. I just want to be entertained, but. But I just want to be entertained. I I want entertaining hockey. I want plays like Mike Matheson did tonight. 
I want to see that more than once every decade type of thing. For sure. We'll talk to you well, soon, well, my man. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. I guess test uh, Hughes and Gordon in the process, right? Well, we're going to have to. And in, in life, my friend, if, if you don't have faith, you don't have much. Uh, all right. So uh, you, you're going to have to have faith. Where are we going exactly, Sammy? 1-888-585-7425. The line is ringing. Oui, hello? Oui. Vous avez appelé Sick Media. C'est qui qui parle? Salut, c'est Pascal. Pascal, tu veux parler à Tony? Oui, Tony. T'appelles d'où exactement? De val des Tu veux parler de quoi? Euh, en fait, je voulais parler de, de la situation des, des, des trois gardiens, puis, euh, puis de, de, de Anderson, en fait, ça ne fonctionne pas, là. OK. Il va être avec toi d'ici une vingtaine de secondes. D'accord? Parfait. Tony! Yeah. Pascal and Val Dunor. He wants to talk to you about the three goalies. He's on line one. All right. It's coming up in five seconds. <laughs> Salut, Pascal! <laughs> Salut, Tony. Comment ça va, mon chum? Ça va bien? Ça va super bien, toi. Moi, Pascal, tu sais qu'est-ce que j'aime de ce podcast-là? Ou du podcasting en général, va te dire, you know what I love about podcasting? C'est qu'il n'y a pas de règles. There's no rules. No. Donc, exactly. la radio, c'est le fun. C'est le fun, c'est sûr. Mais tu as des règles de la CRTC. Radio's fun, but there's CRTC rules. Tu sais, je ne pourrais pas parler dans deux langues pour. Euh, pour. 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 pour, euh, pour une durée prolongée. T'sais, je pourrais peut-être faire quelques mots, peut-être même à la limite, peut-être même faire une entrevue. I could even do an interview if I wanted to in the other language. But the beauty of podcasting is I can switch between English, French, I can speak English, I can speak Français, I can speak Franglais. We can have a bilingual podcast. We're a bilingual province. We can have a bilingual podcast. So I can ask you questions in English. I can come back in French. So Pascal, in Val Zunar, what's going on, my friend? Well, it's actually Val uh, Oh, it's Val Demont. Like, like, so so, so somebody yeah. at Master Control, vote Val Zunar. And I know, I knew right then and there, I'd never heard of Val Zunar before. So what do I do? I put my trust And Agnello and Sammy have master control. Instead of going with my better judgment, I put my trust in them. And now I sound like an idiot. This stuff is live. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. And people watching think that I believe that there's a Val Zunar when anyone with half a brain knows that there is no Val Zunar, but there is a Val Demo. Pascal, come on. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. You know, Tony, if, if there's someone to blame, it's probably my, my French accent there. No, no, it's not you to blame. It's them to blame. If they didn't have 17 podcasts and I didn't rely on them to pay me every Thursday, we'd have a problem. <laughs> exactly. No, no, I just wanted to talk to you. Well, I, I've been a big fan for, for at least at least a year since uh, yeah. since your podcast came out. I'm, I listen to you every day. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about the, the three goalie situation. Are you think we're on fire, though? Or do you think we're on fire? 
Well, you know, it's, it's some days, uh, <laughs> some day for sure. Uh, you know, you have a certain temper, and it it, it makes it uh, really interesting. <laughs> okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Mind you, Dave H says this is the part of Tony's show that I'm not a big fan of, but to each their own. Uh, Dave doesn't like my character and my personality coming out, and obviously doesn't have a sense of humor. But that's okay. He's right to each their own. Fumo, my friend. So tell me, what's going on, my man? Yes. The three goalies says yeah, we well, don't like it. Yeah. Why well, not? I'm not sure. Well, I think something needs to happen. Uh, it cannot last forever. Um, you know, there's a veteran there. There's there's a rookie and there's Motabo uh, sitting on the bench. So I don't think this can last uh, for a long time. And I wanted to talk to you about that and and, and, and uh, wanted to know what, what you think is, is going to happen. I think the Canadians, even though they have three goalies, are looking for a goalie. And I don't know if they're going to pull it off this year. I don't know if they're going to pull it off at the end of the season. But I don't think, you know, when the Canadians are competitive and they're about ready to turn the corner, with all due respect to all of them, I don't think that goalie that's going to be that guy in three or four years from now is on this team right now. I don't think he's any one of those three. I, I, you know, I, I hope for them that they will be. I just, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I, I see the same. But so I think something needs to happen soon with 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 the with the three goalies. Someone. Craig needs, Craig Button said last night. Time for. Sorry. Yeah, Craig Buttons. No, you don't have to be sorry. This is your show. Don't worry about it. Craig Button yeah. said last night that he thinks that Jake Allen is very good value at just over $3.8 million a year and 33 years old. And he believes that there will be interest from other teams. And he believes that the Canadians could get a pretty good player prospect pick in return. Yeah. Well, I heard that this morning actually. And uh, yeah, I I was surprised because, uh, well, I wonder if he would have said the same thing if if Allen didn't have a good start like uh, like he did the last uh, two games. Uh, it's uh, you know he's not getting any younger. What is he? Thirty three, thirty four. Yeah, Allen is thirty three. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Uh, well, I I do hope you know for him and for the Montreal uh, Canadiens that. The, you know, if it's him being shot, then uh, it is him. If, if it's uh, Primo uh, uh, having a chance uh, in in another team, I just I, I don't see Montembeau being moved. Uh, and uh, I, I hope something happens for him because right now he's not in a in a good situation, uh, uh, sitting on the bench. Um, it's not easy. I hear you, my friend. I think that it's not gonna ha- it's not gonna go on for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else uh, I, I, I noticed um, tonight was uh, was Anderson uh, trying to uh, trying to, to 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 stick stick handle, and uh, I don't think that's his role. And uh, he's having a tough uh, tough start uh, this season. And I was uh, I'm wondering. Uh, if he's, uh, you know, what's going to happen with him? Uh, well, don't forget, 
it's not Josh Anderson's job to get Nick Suzuki going or his centerman going, whoever that centerman is. It's the job of the centerman to get the line going. Yeah, that, that was another point I've, uh, I was looking at. Is Suzuki's having a, a tough start this season. Uh, let, let's call it this way. Um, it's not easy for him. He's trying. Um, I think it's a, it's a tough start. Uh, I, I don't know. I think he's going to improve, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's tough to see. Pascal, cette conversation-là, ça m'a fait énormément de plaisir. Toi, tu peux m'appeler n'importe quand, mon chum, OK? Uh, moi aussi. Uh, merci. merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Pascal, from val démont Sammy and Agnello at Master Control, Val-du-Nord. I can't believe it, man. Kevin and LaSalle. I would think that they got this one right. Kevin! Yes. Yeah, what's going on? Not much. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, Thank I have you. a quick question for you. Um, Please, yes. Listen, uh, <laughs> listen. Uh, I, 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 is, is somebody? Uh, is somebody? Uh, is somebody? Hold on a second. Is somebody tickling you or something? Because you're laughing, or somebody tickling you, or no, no. Ah, okay. I wish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's in the air in LaSalle. Mind you, they say that LaSalle is the second most romantic city in all of Canada. Did you know that? I highly doubt it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Google it. They say LaSalle is the second most romantic city in all of Canada. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. I read that somewhere. Uh, I would believe it, but I only moved here last year, so I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah, you should take a drive to Angrignon Park every now and then. You'll see what's going on. Well, tell me, what's on your mind, Kevin? <laughs> what's that? What's on your mind? What are we talking about here? Yeah, my question was, you know, we're yeah. doing a, a big rebuild, and uh, I like the way it's going, despite the injuries. But yeah, my question was, really, since uh, Hughes is doing these trades and grading assets, we're getting draft picks, huh. it's clear there's, we're obviously doing a big trade soon. And my question was, when do you think a big trade would be appropriate? Because I think we need more... We need more goals, to be honest. I, I don't I don't think they're gonna do a big trade. So I, I know a lot of people watching are probably gonna hate to hear this, but Kent Hughes has already said that if they would be approaching the trade deadline and they were in a playoff position and a team would offer them a player uh who can give them help short term for a year or two, but in return they'd have to give up draft picks and or prospects. They wouldn't do it. He has said that before. Now, take a look right, at what's right, going yeah, on. Take a look at what's going on right now. Kirby Doc cool. is out for the season. Doc's out for the season. Savard's yeah. out for eight weeks. Okay? Dvorak is out, I, I don't know how long, let's say a couple more weeks. And Caden Gooley's out for, let's just say, I don't know, a couple of weeks or whatever it is. That's four you know, players. Some of them key more so than others out of your lineup at the same time for a team that's in a rebuild that no one expected to make the playoffs this year that hurts so by the you know and doc's out for the year sure. it's not like he's coming back and not to mention yeah, yeah. that players get hurt all the time the way david savard got hurt last night 
could very well be the next game versus Columbus or on Saturday night versus Winnipeg that the Canadians are going to be missing one or two more players that go down in. And so their depth is going to be tested on a team that doesn't have a tremendous amount of depth because if they did, you'd call them a playoff team. So are they going to go out and make a deal to get better right away? I don't think that's happening this year. Could be next year and year after. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. in a a couple of years, yeah, yeah, could very well be. But in, um, you know, this year or at the draft, I, I, I don't see it. But mind you, you know, this year, I mean, they were able to acquire Alex Newhook. He's maybe not a big impact player, but he's a player that's added to the mix and added to the depth. Great call by you, Kevin. For LaSalle sure. truly is romantic. You take a drive. Take a drive to Angrenon Park, my friend. You're going to be surprised at what you see. Where are we going exactly, Sammy? Kevin and LaSalle. Moved to LaSalle about a year ago. One triple eight five eight five sick. Bert, are you there? Yes, Tony. How are you? Very good. You're calling me from St. Leonard. Yes, I am. All kinds, bro. All kinds. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Tony, All kinds, bro. All kinds. You go to the cafe in St. Leonard, bro. Sorry? You go to the cafes in St. Leonard, bro. Yeah, bro. That's where I watch the Habs Where do you think I watch them? I love St. Leonard, by the way. I love St. Leonard. Tell me, Bert, what's on your mind? You're always welcome. Thank you. I have a question for you, Tony. You think we're going to see Joshua Rod this year on the on the Habs? Yes. For how long? I don't know. I was speaking with some friends. We were thinking around December, maybe a December call-up. But you think if the team's doing well, he comes up sooner. I mean, we have nothing to lose at this point, right? What happens if the team loses a couple of forwards? You might not have a choice. I mean, who else are you going to start calling up? I don't know how long you're going to see him for next week, but you're going to see him. And if you don't see him in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you a certain sector of the media is going to put pressure on the Montreal Canadiens to call this guy up. Does that mean it's going to influence their decision? No, but he's a good player, Bert. He's a good player. And this is a team that needs offensive talent. We're going to see him. We're going to see him. I hope so too. And then you think on the, on the, on the blue line, we're going to see maybe a Logan Mayu, or that's a bit of a long shot. At one point this season, we will see Logan Mayu. I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm happy that we're on the same page here. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, you see David Reinbacher. But there's obviously less chance of seeing that because of their schedule and what other other games they have to play after that. There's less chance of seeing that than there is seeing Joshua Roy and Mayu. I think Joshua Roy is going to get called up soon. I, hope, I think so as well. I hate to be having this conversation. I mean, it's a no, no, but it, the fact it, that uh, we're losing yeah. so many players. But uh, well, not only losing. I mean, uh, last night they scored three goals. Barron was one. Gallagher was one. And Pearson was one. Tonight they scored two goals. And Barron was one. And Matheson was one. I mean, yeah, we're going to see Joshua Roy sooner good. rather than later. Yeah, I mean, we can't rely on uh, Cole Caulfield uh, week, uh, the game in, game out. And uh one more thing before I go, Tony. Nick Suzuki's been a bit of a ghost this year. You agree or no? I I think uh, he's obviously he's not right now. He's not playing like the Nick Suzuki that we saw a year ago. You don't lose your talent overnight. He's only going to get better. He's he's obviously in a sequence where he's struggling. On Saturday night, he was very good. He wasn't able to put it together tonight. You know, tonight, uh, you know, the New Jersey Devils. They had Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer at center. 
c'est pas, pas Joe n'importe qui. Là. We're not talking about Mimi et Coco here. Yeah. We're talking about Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer at center. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's not an easy night. No, for sure. For sure. But uh, hopefully uh, we'll see more of him as the games go on. Because You know, it's a, it's a lot of pressure on a young guy on a rebuilding team. It's a very average team. And, you know, one of the guys that really insulates him is Kirby Doc, who will draw some of these matchups. And Doc's out of the lineup right now. It's not easy for Suzuki, but you know what? It's part of the learning curve, man. It's part of the learning curve. Yeah. Comes with the, the territory. Comes with the territory. Pressure already being the captain. Yeah. People asking more from him. Hopefully not too much pressure on a young kid. Yeah. Thank God I told Sammy and Daniello that at 11 o'clock I wanted to pack it in because I got myself a very busy day today. Now they're telling me one more call. Okay, one more call it is. I want to remind you, of course, that this is the Sick Podcast, and the Sick Podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. Where are we going for the final call of the night? We are going to... Hello. Hello. Zachary. That's me. Zach and DDO. Zach's and DDO. Bert was in St. Leonard. Kevin was in LaSalle. Pascal was in Valdemont. Hamza was in Toronto. What's going on, Zach? I'm a big fan of the show, and I watched the uh, podcast yesterday, and Craig Button said that uh, Jake Allen could get a lot of value. That's what he well, said. I was a little bit surprised by that. I was too. But like, I felt like if someone was to get traded, that it would be Jake Allen, right? Yeah. But I think everybody had that idea. So I talked to my friend about it today. And I was surprised that he didn't agree with it. So I wanted to get your opinion. Because he says he would trade Samuel Montembeau. Okay. He says that he would rather have Jake Allen around, like the veteran. Yeah. And that he thinks more teams would value Montembeau, for example, Tampa Bay. They would. They would. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Montembeau knowing what we know of Montembeau. Montembeau, when he came here, and the Canadians picked him up off waivers from Florida, I watched him play, and I'm no goalie expert, okay? I'm no goalie expert. I'm not a goalie expert either. And I said... This guy's not an NHL goalie. And he proved me wrong, and he had a great year. I personally yeah. don't think he had a great year by fluke. I think he had a great year because he's working hard, and I think he's got the potential to be a good goalie. How high his ceiling is, once again, I'm not a goaltending expert. I don't know. I wouldn't trade Samuel Montembeau, not just yet anyway. In an ideal scenario... In an ideal scenario, I would trade Jake Allen. But I, you know, I with all due respect to I Craig, I'm not so sure that's going to happen as easily as he thinks it can or his value is what it is. But I obviously respect, very much respect his opinion. So you think okay, what? Yeah. You think they should trade Allen? I personally think they should trade Allen. I've seen speculation or like people speculate maybe Primo would be the guy, but I, I wouldn't give up on him yet, especially what I saw today. I saw a promise. 
But of course, he's not a starter by any means at the moment, at least. But I think that there's hope. I've watched him in Laval. And last season, they really made the playoffs only because of him. I wouldn't trade Montembeau. But my friend says, you know, I would keep Allen until we have that one goalie that we know for sure is going to be the starter of the future. Mm-hmm. Like you said before, we don't have that goalie. So he thinks Allen would be a great mentor for Primo. Montembeau would probably get value from a team like Tampa, where their goaltending situation, yes, they're winning games, but is Jonas Johansson really that good? Yeah, but hold on a second. Allen would be a great mentor for Primo. True. But what would Primo's threshold be? What's what's Primo's ceiling? I mean, is Caden Primo really that good? So Allen might end up being a mentor for a guy who might not ever pan out to be a National Hockey League goaltender. But the beauty of having two young goaltenders is knowing you're going to lack that experience, obviously, if you're going to have two young goalies. But then Caden Primo and Samuel Montembeau will push each other because even if Allen plays great, how much can Allen push Montembeau if Montembeau thinks Allen will be gone at the end of his contract in two years? I'm not so sure. It's a, it's an interesting call, and it's something that we're going to pay attention to. And the next big thing to, that we're going to have to pay attention to is to see who's going to start Thursday night when the Montreal Canadiens host the Columbus Blue Jackets. Thanks so much for your call, Zach. I appreciate it. And a special thanks to our partner, La Bite TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bite TV offers quality microbrewery beers with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TV, embrace your true nature. I want to thank everyone for calling. I want to thank everyone for listening and everyone for watching. I want to thank you, my sick army. I want to thank you, my sick community. The Sick Podcast, weeknights at 10 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow night. Same place, same time, same place, right here. Follow us on YouTube, live, Facebook, live, Twitter, live. Like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Tomorrow night's guest. Eric Engels, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. More on your Habs on your number one place for a Habs talk and Habs watch in the world. The Sick Podcast for Agnello and Sammy and Juliana and Master Control. They're Cavallaro. I'm Tony Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.